Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Yes, indeed. This morning, I am joined by, from the University of Minnesota, get my prepositions correct straight here, <laughs> on the Smart Garden Show, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing quite well. I hope you uh, are as well. Uh, it is uh, still another chilly uh, chilly morning below uh, average we don't say normal anymore because there's no such thing. Uh, but uh, we're dealing with it, and I I presume our plants and shrubs and lawns are dealing with it just fine. Yeah, so we've been fortunate to have a fairly good uh, snow cover, and that, that adds a lot of insulation to the roots of plants. And uh, hopefully people have been uh, fencing their plants, have fenced them against critters uh, browsing on them. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's important to look at the landscape and think about the winter interest that's out there and what these plants bring in this cold season when we have a lot of white and gray and brown and uh, and what things like the, the colors of the stems and the flower heads. I just wrote an article in our Yard and Garden News on winter interest in plants that might mm. be of interest to people. It's kind of giving you a few features of plants to think about as you go to your nurseries and your garden centers this summer and pick out new plants for your yard. So that's on Yard and Garden News on our extension site. I want to ask you about the the website again, especially for our our newer listeners. But uh, I should mention, too, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, you can either call it in or text it in. We have one number for either, 651-461-9226. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we really get busy here in this hour. So don't wait. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Again, either by uh, phone or by text, 651-461-9226. And again, for maybe newer listeners or folks that have not checked it out yet, that, that extension.umn.edu website, I mean, you and your, your colleagues put so much uh, work into this, but there's so much information there. You could, you could you know, tune, get in there and read for hours yeah, definitely the rabbit hole effect. Yeah. <laughs> but we try to, um, yeah, we co- well, we cover a lot of things. There's so much to cover in Minnesota gardening. We have four distinct seasons. We have trees and shrubs, information, flowers, annual flowers, perennial flowers. Uh, we have good information on your soil, which, of course, everybody knows is the foundation of your garden. And healthy soil is important to any plant health. 
We have good information on pollinators, too, and growing plants for pollinators, watering your trees as we start to get into our tree planting season this spring. It's important to remember to water your trees and to water them sufficiently. So there's tons of information. And if you don't get your questions answered on this radio show, you can always ask a Master Gardener. And we've got Master Gardener volunteers who are waiting to uh, field questions on Ask a Master Gardener. So, yeah, lots of information. Check it out, extension.umn.edu. Uh, I, I love uh, comments like this. This has nothing to do with gardening, but uh, just <laughs> got this a bit ago. A listener who's listened to us for a long time. What I'm just going to read it. Uh, they gave us the, uh, gave me their age, uh, and it says, "I've been listening to this station since I was around 16 in the sheep barn back in South Dakota." Oh, wow. I put I put on my earbuds when I get here to work at two thirty in the morning. They don't come off until I leave at two p.m. Love it. Now there is awesome. a staunch CCO listener. Yeah. So uh, thank Long you for time. that. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. But here's another one that's related to the show. Is okay. this a good time to prune an oak tree? It is a good time to prune an oak tree. Uh, right now, our oaks are dormant. This is a low to no risk time for pruning for. Uh, oak wilt. Oak wilt uh, transfers through root grafts of trees, of the oak trees, also through insects. And uh, and so this is a great time to prune. Another good reason, I mean, aside from the fact that it's not uh, dangerous for oak wilt, is also you can see the structure of the plant. And so it makes it a little bit easier to choose and prune the right branches than when the plants have leaves on them. So this is, a, but definitely, yes, you can prune your oaks now. Julie, as you know, once in a while when uh, we get questions about pruning trees, whatever variety, uh, and we, we get people to say, should I put something on that, that wound? Should I put, you know, should I cover up that oh, cut yeah. with something? What, what, I don't know what it's called, but I mean, uh, what do you usually recommend in situations like that? Well, uh, wound paint, uh, which can be a latex paint. It can be a, a product that's specified for that. It can be a shellac. Uh, those are all things that are used only in the t- only if you have to prune during a more risky time of year for a plant, a time of year when the, for example, if you had a if we had a summer storm in, you know, June, May or June, and a big branch of your oak tree broke off, then we would recommend using a wound paint on it because that is a high risk time for oak wilt. But other than that, uh, we really don't recommend that wound paint uh, just because it the tree actually, if it's pruned correctly, it will heal itself very easily, and the wound paint hasn't proven to give any benefit except in the case of protecting the tree from infection. So you can always contact a certified arborist, and in fact, as you're looking at your trees and shrubs, and wondering about, you know, boy, is this a task I really want to take on? A certified arborist is a great investment for any homeowner with major trees and shrubs to prune. And as we said quite often on this show, Julie, that we have, we're so lucky in this area to have so yeah. many, so many great uh, arborists. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we have a great... Julie, that we have, we're so lucky in this area to have so yeah. many, so many great uh, mm-hmm. arborists. Yes, and we have a great web page on our extension site called How to Hire a Tree Care Professional. 
and it gives you not only good questions to ask and background and information, but it also gives you the link to the uh, International Society of Arboriculture where you can enter in your zip code and find a certified arborist in your area. Just like that. All right. That's right. As we head to this quick break, Julie, let's invite our listeners to join in. If you uh, would like to chat with Julie, call in your question, your lawn or garden question, or send a text like other folks are doing as well. 651-461-9226. That's the only number you need to remember for your phone calls or texts here on our Smart Garden Show. On this Saturday, News Talk 830 WCCO, it's 8 degrees above zero, going for 27. We hope to hear your lawn and garden questions this hour. It's called Smart Garden. We are here on CCO Radio every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. You can call in your question or send a text, either one, 651-461-9226. Here's another one for you, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Is there <laughs> anything I can work into my soil early in the spring that will help to rid my rhubarb of slugs and my hostas, too? Oh, boy. Uh, well, one of the things about slugs is they like a moist, uh, sheltered, cool environment. So both of those plants, hosta and rhubarb, both have those big leaves. They protect the base of the plant. My suggestion is there's really nothing to work into the soil that's going to deter slugs. But you can change the environment around your plants. You can use mulch underneath your plants. Uh, that will help uh, somewhat that's coarse and it's a little prickly on slugs bodies or little tender bodies, you can eliminate, especially on hostas, you can cut off some of the lower leaves so that you get some more light and air underneath that plant. That works as well. You can put um, slug traps and there's a couple things. One is a board that you lay down and the slugs will hide under that board and the next morning uh, pick up the board, flip it over, scrape the slugs off, throw them in the garbage or do what you want with them. Um, you can also put beer traps in for uh, slugs, and you can. Uh, it's basically sinking a pie pan into the soil so that the edge of the pie pan is at level, and then adding beer to that. And you want to make the beer lower so the slug actually falls into the pie pan. Don't fill it up to the top because they'll just take a little sip and go on their merry way. So um, you can do a couple things like that. But I really believe that with slugs, it's uh, reducing your irrigation. And then it's also putting, uh, raising the leaves of that plant, taking those lower leaves off so that the plant actually has a little bit more of an upright form, a vase-like form, and you allow for more light and air to get underneath there. That will, will also help to deter them. And then mulching, too, will help, too. See, there's so many uh, beers out there now. Do you use pale ale or, I mean, <laughs> does it matter? Use Don't the use cheap ex- stuff. I was going to say, cheap, cheaper the better. Uh, here's another one. Do you recommend any house plants I could have in my three-season porch year-round that will look attractive? Any evergreens? The temperature in the porch dips below freezing in the winter. Ooh, Ooh there's a problem. Yeah, you, you, there aren't going to be any plants that will survive in the porch. But uh, certainly in your house, uh, Norfolk pine is a nice little evergreen that you can have. Uh, it stays, it grows... Uh, Depending on the conditions, it, it's not a real fast grower, um, but uh, some of them I've seen. My friends uh, Vicky and Steve up in Pennington have one that's clear up to their ceiling, but it's an older plant. So you can you can have that. That's a that's a great plant. Um, 
and uh, other houseplants that, so the question is about houseplants, correct? Yes. Okay. So other good houseplants, um, you're going to want uh, temperate conditions. And we do have a good section on our site, on our website, about different houseplants. I love orchids. They grow in bright light. Uh, the moth orchid is relatively easy to grow. Um, certainly African violets are wonderful. F- there's a lot of good foliage plants, too. So on our site, we have a publication underneath um, our houseplant section, and it's called Lighting for Indoor Plants and Starting Seeds. And it has information on both, but it has a couple of lists in there, one for high-light plants, low-light plants, and for medium-light plants. So you can take a look at some of those. Of course, your flowering plants are going to be more the highlight, in other words, brighter windows, southern, eastern windows, Uh, and then also... um, you're going to have lower light plants are going to be more foliage type plants. You can also supplement with with growing lights, with grow lights. I've got a number of them at my house, and they come in all sizes and shapes now. They're LEDs. They're efficient, and you can some of them will even fit right into a normal uh, like a floor lamp type fixture. So you can do a lot of different things with house plants. Yeah, that's a, that's true. I uh, was just uh, cha- exchanging bulbs that I had in, uh, what would you call them, can lights, you know, in the ceiling that right. we used for a while. <laughs> Those were grow lights. Yeah. yeah. And the LEDs, you're right, they're so efficient. You're, they just basically sip electricity, so it's, right. it's a good deal. Oh, that's a good good uh, description. <laughs> Sipping, elect- Sipping you know who- electricity. <laughs> Our friend uh, Gino from uh, Gertens taught me that, so nice. I have to give him credit. <laughs> the top, here's one. Uh, this is kind of fun. The top of our Christmas tree started to sprout branches, so we cut it oh off and goodness. put it in water. Could they possibly grow roots? The sprouts are still green. Seems to be growing about two-inch growth right now. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if those are going to root or not, but why not try? Um, it makes a nice cut flower type arrangement, yeah. too. But, yeah, give it a shot. See what happens. All right. Here's, <laughs> here's what this is kind of a, a different uh, uh, input on Creeping Charlie. It Uh-oh. says, please ask Julie <laughs> to clarify. A friend of mine said if you have chickens and they're able to roam, they will eradicate Creeping Charlie. Oh. Maybe we should ask uh, Teresa. That's a question for Teresa. I am not a chicken uh, rancher, um, but I know that she has chickens. Um I don't know if they would or not. I'm not sure. Well, that's that's something that uh, that's happened over the years, right? I mean, people here in the city uh, have chickens. Yeah, they have chickens. We have a lot of good poultry information, even for backyard chicken raisers or owners, uh, on our poultry section under the livestock section in, in extension. So people can take a look at that. There might be some advice there. I don't know about the Creeping Charlie, though. Yeah. Could be a big boom in chickens if that's the case. Or you could say, this this chicken tastes like Creeping Charlie. <laughs> okay, just a thought. Um, let's see here. Can you discuss dieback on the lower branches of spruce trees? Any way to prevent that? Mm. So the spruce trees have a number of what we call needle cast diseases. These are diseases that affect their, either their fungal or bacterial. They affect the lower needles, and the, and the, the needles drop off. And there are a number of different uh, diseases. Uh, Rhizosphera is probably the one most people are familiar with. It's been an issue with Colorado spruce, the blue-colored spruce. And it 
results from excess humidity. Colorado spruce are native to Colorado. And if you think about the conditions there, they're arid and low humidity. Um, and the plants, when they grow in their native environment, they grow in, they're spaced out. Um, they don't grow tightly together. So airflow is important, drying out those needles. And what we do in our landscapes is we often pack them together and grow them too close together. They're big plants. And and so what happens is humidity gets trapped, the needle cast disease gets worse, and you start to see the uh, defoliation of those branches. And it starts from the ground up, which is where you would expect it because, of course, the soil is moist, and that's a, a, a large area that humidity is held. We also have other spruce diseases, diplodia. Diplodia is one um, uh, stigmina is another, and these are all, there's all information about how to, you know, what the characteristics are on our uh, plant disease webpage under trees and shrubs. But if you think you have that issue, uh, if you're seeing defoliation, uh, there are some treatments. Again, you're going to need to contact a certified arborist for that. Um, but you can also get them analyzed at our plant disease clinic, which is a great resource, along with our soil testing lab. But you can send a sample to our disease clinic, and they will help diagnose that for you. I think it's $45 a sample. Uh, they have instructions and will, are happy to talk to you about how to take a sample and send in a sufficient sample. So that's something people can consider for their high-value plants or landscape plants. The most important thing with needle cast diseases is to allow for good air circulation and to plant, if you're planting a spruce, be sure to plant it truly on center for its mature size. In other words, give it plenty of room to get to its mature size without being wedged in between a bunch of other plants or fences or buildings. So just be, you know, honest with yourself and, and uh, mark that out, measure it out before you plant that shrub or that, I'm sorry, that tree in your yard so that you give enough air circulation for that. Colorado spruce are not the best choice. There's lots of other plants, too, that give you that same blue color like a con-color fir. There are other types of spruce that uh, that you can grow, too. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, we could have a whole show on spruce diseases wow. <laughs> at this point. But, no but take a look at the website. It's good explanation. Gives you pictures, information. Again, if you think you have a disease like that, Contact a certified arborist to assess it and or send a sample to our plant disease clinic at pdc.umn.edu. All right, Julie, we're going to take a, a usual bottom of the hour break to have a look at that forecast. And, yes, it is going to get below zero again. So stay with us. We'll give you more details. Maybe, uh, Julie, when we come back from the break, you can address something that we've been uh, hearing about here on the text line about uh, upcoming webinars or just the growing from the ground up. I've never heard of it before, and maybe you can shed some light sure, on that happy to. when we come back. So we're going to take a break. And if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. We have about another half hour of the show to go. 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Above zero. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny Long here along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions for a little less than a half hour. So if you have one, call it in or text it in at 651-461-9226. Now, 
yes. Julie, what was this? Uh, was it growing or gardening from the ground up? What, what was that? Something I never heard of about this yeah, so before. Gardening from the ground up is a webinar series. It's free. It is happening February 22nd through the 25th. And uh, the webinars go from 1 p.m. till 2.30. There's a variety of different topics that people can uh, listen to. They're presented by our amazing local extension educators. These are people who are in our county offices. And, uh, and they're super knowledgeable. They're a fantastic part of our horticulture team. And uh, some of the topics that they're going to be talking about. And again, people can, this is free. So uh, you can take a late lunch at work or something and, and listen to these. So there's uh, environmental factors affecting nutrient management, building a resilient garden. Whew, that's a good one. Um, how not to kill your tree. How about that one? <laughs> that sounds good. And app-free insect identification. So these are all uh, some of the topics they'll be talking about. And I believe there's one per day. So from February 22nd through February 25th, so coming up in oh, a little a little less than a month, and uh, really great knowledge from our local extension educators. They're just they're amazing people. They have so just a wealth of knowledge, and are uh, putting on this free webinar series. This is the third year they've been doing it, so it's been very very popular. And again, it's called what? It's called Gardening from the Ground Up, and people can register at this link. It is Z, as in the letter Z, like zebra, z.umn.edu backslash garden up. We will definitely uh, mention that uh, before you leave us today, Julie, because I know we'll get yes. the questions about that. That'd be so. great. All right, very good. Thank you, that texter, for, uh, for that. Uh, I tell you what, let's grab a phone call. I think Tom is calling in from South St. Paul this very morning. Tom, good morning. You're on with Julie. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, this is a call regarding um, honeysuckle bushes okay. uh, that have become overgrown. Mm. Uh, my question is, would now be a good time to trim those, and how far should I trim them back? So honeysuckles are, that's a great question. Uh, I'm just looking up a little bit of a list here. So honeysuckles are going to be more of a, uh, uh, a plant that, that prunes, um, uh, or I'm sorry, that grows and blooms in the summer. So these are, uh, it's a type of shrub you want to prune before that new growth happens. So you can go ahead and prune it in the spring coming up. So you, you've got till probably, you know, late March to do this. And a lot of, because they're a real twiggy shrub, you might consider doing a, uh, a type of uh, pruning called renewal pruning. This is where you take out about a third of the largest stems. So you might look at them and say, wow, you know, here's three big old stems. And, uh, and they're really what they do is they're blocking the light to the younger stems and making them less productive. So you want to take those out. You can take a pruning saw. Uh, or depending on, you know, a big lopper, if you have that, depends how big the branch is, and just cut it as close to the base of the plant as you can. So you got to get in there. You don't want to damage the other uh, stems, so you just have to be careful with that. Get in there and prune out those, like a third of the largest stems. That will open up the canopy, open up the shrub, and allow for light to reach down deeper into the shrub and allow for better uh, leafing out and then ultimately better bloom the summer. So, yeah, it's a great time to do it. You can also head back the branches if you want. You can take back um, if they're kind of growing out of control. Uh, if you want to shape it a little bit, you can cut back to 
the nearest uh, major branch and a shrub too, and just kind of bring, kind of head it back, we call it, kind of bring it down so that it fits the form of the plant. All right. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is uh, helping you out on Smart Garden today on CCO, either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. Here's a text, Julie. I have a Kentucky coffee tree that I planted uh, bare root last year. The root and base of a tree have stayed vertical. The problem is that about halfway up the tree, it seems to be tilting from prevailing winds. It's in full sun. Is there a way to fix this? I just don't want the tree to get huge and tip over on my house. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there's a way to fix it. Um, Again, that would be a good question. You'd have to have someone like a certified arborist come in and take a look at it in person. But um, if it's it's healthy and it's kind of just growing that direction, it could be from uh, lack of pruning as a young tree. It could be, as you said, from prevailing winds. They're actually northwest winds, which are prevailing winds in Minnesota, particularly in winter, are pretty strong. Um, but uh, chances are it was more from the form of the tree as it grew. But again, that would be something a certified arborist should t- assess in person and let you know if there's anything to do about it. Right. That's wise. When is a good time, listener says, to start amaryllis bulbs if you want them to bloom by Easter? The bulbs are now dormant and stored in a 50-degree uh, room. Awesome. Mine are too. In fact, I'm going to take mine out today. Mm. <laughs> um, so they need probably about, uh, if, they aren't, if they aren't showing any growth yet, sometimes they start to pop a bud in the, in the dark. But if they're not showing any growth yet, you're going to need about, you know, six six weeks or so, I think. Um, sometimes they grow really fast, and sometimes they take a little while to eke out those buds. So I would take them out now, and uh, they might not be exactly timed for Easter, um, but you can get pretty close. So I think Easter is, uh, is it mid-April this year? I don't know if it's early or late this year, but I would take them out now. I'm going to take mine out, and I expect to have some flowers, you know, into early, you know, maybe late March or so. All right. Very good. There's another question for you, Julie. Uh, Texter says, can I prune my red-twigged dogwood significantly as they have become too tall and wide for the space? Sure. So we, uh, I just mentioned renewal pruning, which is a great yearly practice for red-twig dogwoods. Those, as the as the stems get older on a red twig dogwood, they become kind of corky and gray. They lose their bright red color. So those are stems that every year you could look for that and take out the largest kind of corkiest looking uh, stems. Take them right down to the ground as close as you can. Again, be careful not to damage other stems if you can. Um, But if your plant is overall just overgrown, you can do what's called rejuvenation pruning in which you take the whole, you cut the whole shrub down to the ground, um, probably, you know, maybe six inches above the ground or so. And then you can also go in there at that time and take out those thicker stems too. But that's called rejuvenation pruning. These are for for deciduous shrubs that have multiple stems, uh, just like we're talking about with the dogwood, and that have been really, really have become overgrown. So this is a way to take them down. The gentleman with the honeysuckle could do the same. So it's for these twiggy, multi-stem cane growth habit. They're called uh, shrubs like dogwoods and honeysuckles. Okay. 
suggestion in from a listener about uh, the text we had about keeping slugs at bay. Pine needles work wonderfully for that. Oh, great. And they're a beautiful mulch. If you have an excess of pine needles, they really look nice as a mulch. Here's another one for you, Julie. Can rhubarb be grown indoors? Boy, rhubarb needs a ton of uh, light and a ton of sun. You would be hard-pressed to grow a, a good, healthy you know, harvestable rhubarb indoors. So I would say I would not try it. You know what we haven't talked about? I don't about. say that very often. No, you, you don't. say give it a try. <laughs> but I think it would, I think the plant would end up just being weak and spindly. Uh, I would save it, you know, I would put it outside. <laughs> All right. Let's see what Lois is calling in about, uh, calling in from right. the center of the Minnesota this morning. Hi, Lois. What's your question for Julie? Hi. I have a 10-foot-tall Norfolk Island pine. We bring it in in the fall, put it out in the spring. Now it's grown a like almost a foot-high stem from the top with beautiful circle of six-inch six fronds coming out. It's pushing up against the ceiling. Now, can we safely just cut that off, or, or what would happen? Uh, cut off the new stem? Okay. Cut off stem. Too tall. Okay. Yes. Yeah. If if it's a, a a branch that's coming off the main part of the tree, I think I would feel comfortable cutting that off. But if but I'm not sure, you know, and maybe somebody can can weigh in on this. I'm not sure with Norfolk pine if you can literally cut them back. I do not think you can. I think you will end up with a very odd-looking plant that shoots off multiple leaders off the top. But if you're just taking a stem off the side, off the side of the main stem or the main leader, I think you could do that. That's one of the drawbacks to Norfolk pine. They do get very tall as they age. Um, they're great-looking, you know, great-looking plants, but you got to have a lot of room for them. And uh, I think that I hope that answers your question. You know what, we need to take a break, but before we do, something we haven't mentioned uh, anything about uh, this hour, Julie, is the Arboretum. Lots to do year-round there. Holy cow, get to the Arboretum. In February, we have the flower show. I've my office out there, and I have been watching them put these flower displays together. It's going to be amazing. I, I bumped into Ricky Garza, who's one of the gardeners and manages some of the tropical plants, and he had two big carts of orchids, which... As listeners know, I love orchids, so I had to stop and talk to them about that. They're going to be placed around. I mean, there's beautiful displays. They're going to have vendors out there, and that is going to be going on from four, from February 4th through the 27th. We also have the art fair. That's the 12th through the 13th. We have, a full, we have full moon hikes. That's cool. February 16th, and a backup date due to weather would be the 17th. We have Harrison Sculpture Garden tours. Go out to the Sculpture Garden in the winter. It's beautiful. That And we have one that's happening on Valentine's Day. So that might be a cool date night and then or date day. And then the Maple Fest, which is coming up in March on March 19th, which is tapping maple trees, maple syrup, pancakes, all that good stuff. So lots of things. You can go to the arb.umn.edu and check it out. You do need reservations. And you do need to show um, proof of vaccination and, and wear masks indoors. Wonderful place. Great resource. Yeah, All right, fantastic. Julie. Fantastic. Let us take a quick break here and come right back on the other good. side with more of Smart Garden here on News Talk A3OWCCO. Eight above zero right now, heading for 27. 
here and come right back on the other good. side with more of Smart Garden here on News Talk A3OWCCO. Eight above zero right now, heading for 27. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on CCO. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering those lawn and garden questions. Reminder, next hour, Andy Lindis will be taking over and uh, we'll be uh, talking home improvement. So keep those questions in mind. All right, Julie, let's see. Here's another one. Now that my amaryllis is done blooming, how do I take care of it to ensure that it will bloom again next year? Oh, good question. So we had the question earlier about when to take them out of dormancy, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about uh, it's finished blooming. So you you can allow the stem to die back or prune it off, um, and it hopefully is putting out some leaves at this point. They're kind of big paddle-shaped leaves. They make a great indoor plant. Let it grow in a sunny window all the rest of the winter, and in the spring... When the weather is warmer, it's a tender bulb, so you want to make sure your nights are about, you know, 50 degrees or above. And put it outside. Start it out in kind of a shaded area, and then you can gradually move it into more and more sun. That allows it to acclimate to its new growing environment. And uh, grow it outside. It's Make sure it's in a pot that drains well so that when you get rain, it's draining out nicely. You don't want to rot the bulb. And it is a great way for this plant to photosynthesize all summer long with those big leaves and add more and more energy to that bulb. Then in the fall, bring it in before a freeze and put it in a dark, uh, cool place, as our previous caller mentioned, uh, about 50 degrees in the dark. Uh, Let everything die back, the leaves, everything. Uh, Leave it there for probably 8 to 12 weeks Take it out, put it in a sunny window, start watering it, and you should uh, have a nice big flowering stalk, flower stalk come up, so a nice big bud. So that is the uh, essentials of <laughs> amaryllis. And we do have, of course, a very good web page on amaryllis that talks about replanting and repotting and all of these good details. All right. Very good. Uh, let's see. My This uh, listener says, My lemon cypress indoor plant was so beautiful, then I must have overwatered it. It isn't dead, but very crispy. Still green. Should I trim it back or let it grow uh, the way it is? It looks witchy. Love the show, by the way. <laughs> it looks witchy. It's a good description. Yeah. I think it's probably um, just having a tough time growing indoors. So it, it may be somewhat a little bit dormant and has lost some of its needles. I would continue to water it if you want to keep it. I would continue watering it and uh, and keep it in the sunniest window you have. And then in the spring, I would get it outside as soon as, um, you know, the temperatures are, are uh, warmer. Get it outside and keep watering it and see if it puts on new needles. And in some cases, it's hard to keep evergreens like a cypress growing well indoors it's just very dry and uh, the temperatures are too warm Um, so then uh, you know see how it goes and see if you can keep it growing okay when do you plant onion seeds listener wants to know inside and when to put out in the garden oh boy Um, I believe those need a fairly long time it's hard I'll, I'll be honest it's hard to transplant onions so i I'm, 
I'm going out on a limb here and I'm going to say that they should be planted in the garden unless you have a greenhouse. So be careful while you're planting them so that they aren't planted too thickly. They're very small and uh, be sure to space them appropriately so you don't, you have to do as little thinning as possible with them. You can check out our A to Z vegetables on extension.umn.edu yard and garden page. And that will give you not only information on seeding onions, but also once you have seeded onions successfully, how to grow them in your garden. I'm going to ask you in a minute uh, about, uh, before we leave, about that gardening from the ground up uh, access. But here's one. It says, I have flame willows that have gotten quite large, up to 18 feet. They are very full. Would they benefit from pruning? Yes, yes. And willows, uh, you can go ahead and and do the... uh, the type of renewal pruning that I mentioned earlier where you take out some of the larger stems. Those are beautiful willows. Uh, you can also take willows completely down to the ground and do a rejuvenation uh, pruning as well. So either way, um, kind of depends on what your objectives are. Um, I would say taking out the taller branches would be a good kind of conservative way to start. And then that would bring the, he- the size of the plant down. Uh, but in some cases with willows, they're, I mean, they're a very twiggy bunch, and uh, you can go ahead and cut them completely down to the ground, and they'll grow back up. So either way, depends on what your needs are. Uh, this texture is uh, talking about your, the, your comments about renewal pruning of honeysuckle shrubs. Does that also apply to honeysuckle vines? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I would not do that. I think honeysuckle vines bloom on their old stems, so you should let them remain, let the old wood remain on the stem. You can prune off any wood that happens to die, and you can certainly trim it for form, but you would want to leave that growing on your fence. I would not cut it down to the ground. We have a couple minutes to go. What do, What was that uh, webinar information about growing from the ground up or gardening from the ground up? Yes, so you can. It's on February twenty second through the twenty fifth. These are four, uh, five online webinars, and you can register at z letter z like zebra z dot umn dot edu backslash garden up, and it's a free series of webinars. Can they, uh, if the folks are driving, whatever they can't uh, get that access that information, they of course can go back to our Odyssey app, but uh, can they just uh, Google that and find out, do you think? Yes, it's called Gardening from the Ground Up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would think if you type that in and UMN, you'll find it. You'll find it. All right, let's grab another one or so before you leave us, Julie. It says here, if I cut a burning bush off of the ground, will it regrow? Have one that got out of control and want to start over. Well, burning bush have more of a... A single stem that branches out. And so you would not take that down to the ground, but you can head it back. So heading back is removing longer parts of the branch down to where a new branch comes out of the side of it. So you can take it down in that respect, and it will prompt more growth at that grow point. So wherever you make that cut. So you can do that. Um, but a lot of them, uh, but that's going to be a better way to take those out. You can also take out some of the thicker stems too. Um, but I would not take it all the way down to the ground, I don't think. If somebody's had success with that, um, by all means, um, you know, speak up. But but the, the uh, burning bush that I have seen growing have a single stem, and they have branching that comes off of that. You would not want to take that down to the ground. 
Julie, we have a two texts left. I think we can okay. answer them with a Woo-hoo! yes or no, and then we got to run. I, tra- <laughs> I transplanted rhubarb last spring. Can I eat it this year? You might want to give it a year to grow. Uh, it depends how robust it is and how big it was when you transplanted it. Another yes or no answer. Are cedar trees good <laughs> trees to grow? Yes, they are. Okay. The deer, the deer love them. <laughs> the deer love them, yeah. They love trees around our yard, too, those critters. All right, let's get that extension the website again, Julie, Great. then we'll have to say goodbye. Extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. And please subscribe to the Yard and Garden News. We've got some awesome uh, articles that are up there right now. And five seconds, the abiders playing anywhere? <laughs> We are not scheduled yet, but uh, we're hoping to be soon. We'll let you know. We'll let people know. All right. Julie, thanks so much. Always fun. Great. Good to see you. Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour here on 830 WCCO. Currently, 8 degrees in the Twin Cities. We're heading for a high today near 27, maybe 22 tomorrow. Stay with us. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.